Where Kindness Lives is designed to cultivate a kinder world by helping to inform and inspire. Hosted by Jenny Sager from Nextdoor, the neighborhood network connecting you to what truly matters so you can belong. We'll chat to the most thought-provoking individuals paving the way for positive change and hear from neighbors who deliver small acts of kindness every day. So come on a journey to where kindness lives. Hi, I'm Jenny Sager, and my guest today believes the news we're consuming on our phones and television is destroying our mental health. And he says that he's got the perfect remedy. As a war correspondent, Mohammed Leela covered major events for CNN and ABC, where he was nominated for two Emmys. Now he's turning news on its head, avoiding bias, politics, and negativity with a news platform called Goodable, where kindness is contagious. Mohammed Leela, I'm so excited for this conversation. Welcome to Where Kindness Lives. Thank you so much. I'm so humbled and flattered and excited to be on your podcast. Well, we're super excited to have you here today. And we start by asking all of our guests, what does kindness mean to you? Wow. You know, listen, I, I, I've, I interview people for a living. And I'm not saying this to flatter you because it's the first question, but that's quite possibly the most profound question that I think I've ever been asked. And before I answer it, let me just say that I think that speaks to the core, the very core of who we are as people, uh, as human beings. So what does kindness mean to me? Wow. I, I would say kindness means the ability or the desire to put other people ahead of yourself. If I could make a universal rule and I could <laughs> enforce kindness on the population, I would I would insist that everybody put other people ahead of themselves. To me, that's kindness. I love that. And I think if there's anyone that's that's heading in that di- direction, it's certainly you. As a follow-up to that, is there someone in your life that you feel like has been particularly kind to you? Is there someone that stands out there? Uh, yeah, without a doubt, it's my mother. Um, I, I grew up, like a lot of uh, young children do and teenagers do, feeling like I never fit in. Um, you know, I was... Uh, raised by immigrant parents in a place that wound up being multicultural, but you still kind of feel out of place because I would go home and I would eat different food than the kids in my school. And I'd sometimes wear different clothes and I wouldn't go to their church or their synagogue on weekends. I'd go to my own places. And I always kind of felt left out. And uh, whenever I felt sad, uh, my mother would come, you know, you're going to make me cry. Um, My mother would come and give me a hug. And it, it got to a point where, I tried to schedule it into my day. And I think it was either 10 o'clock at night or 8 p.m. at night. I would look at my watch and I would say, mom, it's eight o'clock. And she would, um, she would would just come and give me a hug. And if I didn't know what time it was, she would come to me and she would say, do you know what time it is? And I would say, oh, I think it's hug time. And she'd give me a hug and and, uh, she's my role model. And if I think of the kindest person that I've ever met, it's my mother. My gosh, your mom is now a role model for me as a mom, <laughs> having as a mom of three boys. Now I have my new role model. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think one thing we also have in common is that I, before I moved into tech, I was a journalist and I started out as a news journalist and spent about 20 years working in TV. And if I think back to the beginning, one thing when I was working in news, which was why I left news, that always rubbed me the wrong way was that when it was a slow news day, people got excited about something terrible happening because that gave you the content 
for the for the program for the day and I I never that just never sat with me well which is why I eventually went into entertainment instead and I would love to hear from you why you think that news is broken and why we need to reform the way that that news is being told so I love this question and you know I have very strong opinions on it because like you I spent uh the the better part of the last 15 years as the person that was going around reporting that news telling people how bad the world is um I've spent the last 10 years, in fact, covering war zones. I've been to the front lines of almost every war zone you could think of, uh, some which your listeners might not even know exist where there are wars happening. I've been to those places. I've been shot at. I've been held at gunpoint. All of, in no particular order, the Taliban, ISIS, Russians, and Egyptians have all tried to kill me at various points. Um, One of them came so close as to graze a bullet just above the top of our heads as we were running for safety. And I did it because I felt humanity needed to see its dark side. And I still believe that to a certain extent. I believe that we as human beings need to see the depths that we can sink to um, that's in all of us. And so, for example, if you go to Yugoslavia, if you go to Somalia, if you go to parts of Iraq, there were neighbors that were living next to each other for 20 years or 50 years or hundreds of years sometimes their families were next to each other. And something happened. Somebody lit a spark and suddenly they became enemies. For the longest time, I felt it was important for human beings to know that nobody is safe from that, that if it could happen there, it could happen here. And what I realized was that as much as it's important for journalism to hold a mirror up to people or to the world and say, look at this mirror, this is who we are. One of the biggest reasons why news is broken is because when we hold up that mirror, we're showing a distorted view of reality. So we are saying, yes, this is who we are. We have the ability to shoot your, you have the ability to shoot your neighbor. If something makes you that angry, if you fall into the wrong crowd, you fall into the wrong ideology, something bad will happen. But we have the opposite potential too. We have the potential to be amazing neighbors and amazing people and to do extraordinary things that would completely inspire your community and your neighborhood. And news was only showing the negative. They were never showing the positive. And to me, that's the biggest reason why news is broken. It's because it's, it's built and it's designed to be divisive, to draw engagement through shock, through controversy, through sensationalism. You know, in America, where many of your listeners will be based, people used to complain that everything that you would see on the, on the news always said breaking news on it. You know, it might have happened 12 hours ago, but there would still be a news flash and it would say, breaking news, check out this footage of this plane crash or this earthquake. It's gotten to the point now where we now have a countdown to future breaking news. So they'll say, stay tuned because in 10 hours from now, in nine minutes, uh, we're going to show you some breaking news. Everything is derived based on engagement and algorithms and nobody's looking at at, at who we are as, as as a complete human being, as a complete society. And I just believe there's so much good in the world. And news is missing out to its own disadvantage. Well, and I totally agree. And I think working at Nextdoor, my favorite part about the job is actually seeing that goodness from all over the world, in neighborhoods all over the world every day. And we'll share some of that with you a little bit later. But I would love to know from you what you think the right balance is then, because we can't, I I would assume that if we did newscasts that were 100% positive news, over time, in a way, you would become desensitized to that like we do with the, the, let's say, negative news. But also, I think that you need to have that space in there to still share the facts, right? Like, if you only tell the good side of the war in Ukraine or, um, you know, storming the Capitol building, then you're not actually making people aware of the issues. So how do you find that balance between 
the good news and and lessening the negative impact on mental health with all of the bad news and but still reporting the facts? Yeah, it's a great question because you know there are dangers on both sides, on both extremes. So if you're only consuming negative news and that's your entire news diet, what will happen is that you will fall into some sort of clinical depression or heavy anxiety or stress or you'll suffer from anger issues and that will happen very quickly if you're only consuming negativity. The flip side is that if you're only consuming positivity, you're going to have a rosy colored view of the world that doesn't correspond with actual reality on the ground. So if you're seeing only good stories of things happening in Ukraine, you're going to miss out on the fact that there is a war going on and people are getting shot. The way I would describe it is simple. Right now, it's as though you and me and all of your listeners out there are living in a town or a city where all there is to eat is McDonald's. Now, there's nothing against McDonald's. We all go there once in a while. You all need a McDonald's fix. But imagine you were living in a town where that was the only restaurant you could go to. So there were McDonald's, you know, every few blocks. And whenever you wanted to go outside to, to, to take the kids out or your partner out or your friends out to go eat, the only option was McDonald's. And on top of that, McDonald's convinced you that they were the best game in town, that they were good for you. And so whenever you would ask the kids, you know, you said you have three sons, right? So you know, you ask the kids, hey, kids, where do you want to go out? And they all cheer, McDonald's, McDonald's. And you go to McDonald's and that's what you do. Now, what happens in that town if you're the first person to open up a Whole Foods? Um, Whole Foods is a worldwide chain that serves sort of wholesome, healthy, organic options. A couple of things are going to happen when you open up that Whole Foods. Number one, McDonald's is going to come after you really, really hard. And McDonald's is going to start saying, oh, don't go to that Whole Foods. They're expensive or they're far away from your home, but they don't have drive-through, they're going to use every trick in their book to convince people that Whole Foods is not good for you. The second thing that it does is suddenly it gives people a choice. And when we consume the news, very few of us have ever been given this choice. And the choice is simple. Would you go to a place that's good for you, that's good for your body, that's good for your mind? Or would you go to McDonald's, which is, let's face it, you know, high cholesterol and it's, it's kind of bad for you? We believe that if you give people a choice, they will always choose what makes them happier and what makes them healthier. And it's the same thing with news. And so, for example, when a Whole Foods open up, opens up, what you'll find is, you know, something like 5 to 10% of Whole Foods customers will only shop at Whole Foods. They will spend any amount of money, any amount of time. They insist on going to Whole Foods because they won't go anywhere else. But the other 90% aren't going to Whole Foods as the exclusive place where they get their food. They're going to McDonald's, they're going to the other grocery stores, and maybe they have a few things that they like from Whole Foods. Maybe it's a specific organic egg, or they just really like a certain type of flour, but that's why they're going to Whole Foods. The same thing describes the perfect media diet or news diet that we should all be on, which is that, look, get your, get your news from CNN, get your news from Fox, BBC, ABC in Australia, get your news from these places, but mix in a wholesome smoothie into that breakfast that is going to be better for your mental health. And what happens if you don't mix in that smoothie is that your mental health is going to deteriorate. And that's the exact balance. It's fine some sort of, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know if you had this, but uh, we used to have these commercials on TV that would say part of a healthy balanced breakfast. And it was always a sugary cereal. And they would never say, don't only eat the cereal, but make it part of a healthy balanced breakfast. And that's what we need today is we need a healthy balanced news diet that shows both the positive and the negative. So what is it about 
people, we all do this. We've all done the doom scrolling and kind of, it's almost like we're, we're punishing ourselves in a way. I personally have taken breaks from news over the last, you know, four or five years at certain times when I felt that impact on mental health between, you know, wars and, and political situations and things like that, where you just go and COVID, of course, I just need a break because this is actually affecting me in not a positive way. What is it about human nature that makes us do that, that makes us doom scroll and consume all of that. And I guess the follow-up question to that would be, how do we manage that in a time when we're consuming more news than ever before with social media and online news? And, you know, we kind of, we get it from so many outlets now. How do we, why do we do it and how do we manage it? You know, it's, it's a really good question, right? And you mentioned that you have three boys and I have kids. And so I'm guessing we're, we're part of maybe the same generation. And when our generation was growing up, the news was something that you watched on television and they told you what was happening in the world. We didn't have choice. Consumption habits have changed significantly since then. And what I mean by that is um, there have been studies that have been done that show why people enjoyed watching difficult things happening in other parts of the world. So for example, you know, if there's a war going on in Ukraine, there will be some people who are not in Ukraine, like, for example, in America, who can't get enough of it. And they'll just scroll through their phones, negative story after negative story after negative story. There was one study that showed that the reason people would do that is because in a twisted way, it would make them feel safer because they knew that what was happening overseas was not happening in their town or in their neighborhood or in their city. And there was a weird kind of cycle of positive reinforcement. It was like, oh, thankfully, I can, I can relax now. I can breathe because it's not happening here. That's something that's happening to them. It's not happening to us. But the moment social media started taking off, everything became connected in a much more real way. So suddenly, hey, maybe the war in Ukraine is not happening to you, but you happen to follow a YouTube creator or an influencer, or you have a friend of a friend who's connected to that conflict. Now, suddenly, that conflict hits closer to home. So that answers the first part of the question. And repeat me uh, the follow-up question. What was the follow-up question? Self-impose, I guess, regulations around that and go, okay, I should only, is it about consumption time? Like, do we try to give ourselves limits and say, okay, I, I should only, you know, consume news X amount of hours a day? Or is it just, I, I don't know, like, how do we self-regulate with that, knowing that it's in human nature to do that and that there's not enough good news out there? Yeah. So uh, can I give you a secret? I reported, I've reported more live shots for CNN than I can count. I've reported from ground zero at assassinations, terror attacks, bombings, explosions. And I've been on TV thousands and thousands of times. I, I'm that person that's been on TV that you've seen. And, you know, I tell you something bad and then you change the channel. When I would come home, I didn't own a television set. And I myself could not watch the news. And more than that, I couldn't allow my kids to watch the news. You know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, right? In America or a lot of countries, you know, you walk into a doctor's office and sometimes they have a news channel on and it's a story about a shooting. And you're heading into a doctor's office where you're about to get some bad news or you're probably not in a great mood and you're seeing something about a shooting. It's the worst possible experience that you could put yourself through for your mental health. And so I don't think the answer is to shut everything off because the reality is that we can't. So even if you don't consume news on television, even if you're not opening up certain websites, if you have a phone, the news will find you. That's just the reality. If you're on any social media, you are getting exposed to the news every day. 
Reuters put out its annual survey very recently, actually, that studies the news consumption habits of something like 80,000 people around the world. And what they found was that 40% of all people have said that over the last month, they have consciously made a decision to stay away from the news. There's been a moment in that month where they said, you know, I can't watch the news today. And the number one reason why is because it puts them in a bad mood. So this requires a couple of things. And the answer is, what do we do? How do you regulate yourself? Well, number one, you have to be aware of your own mental health, which is very difficult. Most of us have no idea that we've been walking around as zombies during COVID and kind of like just like one of those uh, horror movies where we just were all shell-shocked and we're walking around because COVID really uh, mixed up the way that we experience the world. So being aware of your own mental health is very important. And finding a way to balance what you're consuming is so important. It applies for, you know, whatever ideology you follow. It applies to whatever politics you follow. If you're not seeing the other side, you're really setting yourself up um, for a very bad situation. Yeah, and I think that that FOMO when good news happens is a real thing. And it's something we see on Nextdoor all the time, where if you share a good neighbor story from a neighborhood, it inspires other neighbors to then do a small act of kindness. And we see that everywhere in the world, where there's definitely that knock-on domino effect of kindness breeding more kindness. And I wonder if that happens with good news as well. Like, Do you think that if more people consumed good news, we would then see a knock-on effect from that, where it kind of created subconsciously or, or not, and inspired people to actually do better. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree. And I think one of the best things about Nextdoor is that when kindness happens on Nextdoor, it's as grassroots as you can get. You know, if there's a large multinational corporation, like, I don't know, um, like Pepsi or some tobacco company or something, and they launch a campaign for, for hey, you know, we want to do some kindness. It's kind of like from the top down, and it's difficult to do that way. But real kindness takes place every day in neighborhoods, in convenience stores, in small little mom and pop uh, businesses and restaurants. And in Canada, we have like, you know, coffee shops everywhere. That's where acts of kindness happen. And I would push back slightly. I know at the beginning we talked about, you know, you have to believe that there's more good in the world than bad. Well, I do. And I think most people would agree with that. If you look, let me ask you, do you think that there's more good in the world than bad? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the challenge is that, unfortunately, we see more of the bad than good. And the question is why? Well, if there's so much good happening in the world, why aren't we seeing it? And maybe the answer is as simple that we just haven't been looking for it. And I think that's why posts, like you said, you know, a neighbor will help a neighbor that goes viral on Nextdoor. One of the reasons it goes, it, one of the reasons it's go, it goes viral is A, it's real. It happened at a community level with real people, not people that were paid. It happened with a neighbor and they had longstanding relationships with the neighborhood and people care about the safety of their street, of their block, of their neighborhood. And kindness really spreads that way because there's something in kindness that makes all of us want to have it. And this is a big difference between good and evil. When you see somebody who's mean or angry, it doesn't make you want to be that way. Right? We all have a human instinct where if I see somebody who's just, he's just a mean SOB, you know, nobody wants to be around this guy. He lies, he cheats. When I'm around him, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. Flip it around. And let's say you're around somebody who's just a great person. It's a woman who's been feeding people in your neighborhood, or she's always willing to walk your dog, or it's a friend who gives you a ride. When you're around those people, goodness has this intrinsic 
uh, ability to make people want to be good, it's contagious. And so I think what you see in some of your neighborhoods is exactly that. Goodness is just contagious. You mentioned um, Nextdoor starting from the ground up and starting at the community level and then building from there. And I think Goodable is is really the same. I'd say that's something that we have in common again. And I'd love for you to just talk about how you guys started and why you need that strong community to be successful to, to, in order to scale. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you notice that similarity. I, I sometimes joke that if Nextdoor had a used network, it would be called Goodable. It's, it would be exactly what we're doing. But um, Goodable started because, uh, like I said, you know, I've been covering war zones and uh, my team and I were held at gunpoint and it's happened multiple times and I have a training and we know what to do. But it, it launched me on this journey to discover why is it that the news only covers bad news? And so I track every flight that I've ever taken in my entire life, and I've taken hundreds and hundreds of them. And every time I would go somewhere, it's because I was on assignment to cover something bad that happened. And when I started looking at the numbers, I realized that our audiences were telling us that they didn't want bad news, that they actually wanted emotionally satisfying news. And when you did a story that made somebody feel good, they would reward you with more loyalty, more engagement. They would watch your stories more. They would share it with their friends. And that's why I talked about how goodness is contagious. So I left a cushy, uh, well-paying job at CNN uh, that I dreamt of ever since I was a child to come home and launch something that uses news to help people and specifically help their mental health rather than destroying it, which is what the news does to us. And when I left CNN, I was averaging a reach of around 200,000 impressions per month, which for an ordinary person might seem kind of high, but um, for coming out of CNN, it was pretty low. And I woke up one day and I said, from now on, I'm only going to share good news and let's see what happens. Within a year, I was reaching 4 million people per month. And since launching Goodable, we now reach more than 40 million people per month. And we are now going to be available on screens in restaurants, bars, uh, your local gym, your local doctor's office. And the idea is simple, is that um, we are trying our best to deliver the world's happiest and healthiest news experience. And let's face it, I think, the, I think the world could all use a little bit more of Goodable right now. I love that. And I was going to ask you about your plans for scaling into hospitals and doctor's offices. And because I've seen some of the comments from your fans and your following suggesting just that. And I think it's such a, it's such a great fit. Is that something that you're working on globally? Yeah. So it's very interesting, right? So um, as of right now, Goodable content is viewable in something like 25,000 venues across North America. But we are looking to expand into the UK, into Australia, um, and other largely just English-speaking markets because um, we're an English network and we're sort of limited in that way. Um, but we're also negotiating a few interesting deals that are going to get us in premier properties. Um, elevators are a great example because nobody really talks in elevators. You're usually on your phone. But most elevators nowadays have a screen on them, and the screen has some sort of news content that it's giving you. And what we'd like to do is we'd like to be in an elevator, on an elevator screen in a hospital, where there's a doctor that's coming out of a difficult surgery, or a patient who's just been told some bad news, and they walk into the elevator, and they're really down, and they just feel kind of depressed. They see our content, and by the time they come out of the elevator, they're in a totally different mood. They have some hope. They have some inspiration. They know that they can get through whatever difficulty they're getting through in their lives. So we're actually embarking on sort of a very aggressive expansion approach to get into those places where, where, where people need Goodable the most. And right now, it's not in their homes. We already have an app that's downloadable, and people can download the app, and it's been growing like crazy. 
But we want to be in those places where people are, are the most sad and the most down. And we want them to know that, listen, right when you think the world is collapsing around you, we're going to be there for you to show you that it's not. I do want to share with you a next door neighbor story from Canada. In every episode of this podcast, we always share some next door neighbor stories. And I'd love to hear your reaction from this one. So this is from a neighbor named Alexandra Pokris or Pokris in Thornhill Woods South in Canada. Do you know where that is? Uh, I know it very, very well, actually. I, I do know that neighborhood. I think I might drive past that neighborhood every day. And- <laughs> excellent. We didn't plan it that way, but excellent. So I know one thing I found really interesting from our colleagues in Toronto was that Canada actually has an enormous Ukrainian population, which I didn't know before the Ukraine war. And as we saw the war intensify, what happened in Alexandra's neighborhood was that she really decided she needed to take action and drive that at a community level. And so So she set up a website asking the community to donate clothes and and unused items from around their homes. But then she really turned to Nextdoor to spread that mission, and it became her passion project on Nextdoor. And as soon as she did that, she saw donations coming through everywhere, and she was completely overwhelmed from the response, just having people drop off everything from bikes to diapers to strollers and even a baby cot. And I just would love to hear from you what you think about that example of kindness at the community level. So I think, so listen, I'm Canadian. I was born and raised here. I, I proudly keep a Canadian flag on my backpack whenever I travel uh, around the world. First, it doesn't surprise me. Um, Canada is an interesting place because we're right next to the United States, but we're so different from them in certain key ways. Um, for example, if you ask an ordinary Canadian, look, do you think healthcare should be free? Most people will say yes. And the reason why is I don't want my neighbor to go bankrupt if they get sick. I don't want my neighbor to die if they get sick. There's something in our neighborhoods where, hey, listen, not every neighbor is perfect and not every neighbor is going to be, you know, win neighbor of the year. But in general, we just kind of care about other people. And there are a lot of other countries that are the same way. And so when I hear stories about, you know, neighbors doing things, not just for their neighbors, but for people overseas, I am not surprised at all. Canadians have such an international outlook on life. Um, it, in, in the major cities, so this happened in, in Toronto or the suburbs of Toronto, and Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities in the world. Everybody has a relative that came from somewhere or that still lives somewhere else. And it's heartwarming. And here's what I find interesting about this. This is a story that came out through Nextdoor, right? So you, you found out about it. Imagine how many neighborhoods things like this are happening in. Because I don't think this was a rare occurrence. It's just a question of we just don't know who those neighbors are, or maybe they're not posting it on Nextdoor, um, or or maybe they haven't found out about Nextdoor yet, right? I think if it's very interesting. Ask me this question in two years when Nextdoor is in every neighborhood in Canada, and then and then you'll and then you'll come back to me and you'll say, hey, this is happening every day. Like we we just it's it's uh, it's, it's breaking records. Do you have any tips for people at the community level who want to get some good news out there or share some good news in their local community? Uh, so my first shameless tip is download the Goodable app. We're doing our best to um, uh, bring you good news every day. It's, it's literally just like opening up Google News or, or Apple News, but it's only good things. We're working on another interesting feature, actually, which is going to geolocate where good things happen. And this is interesting because we want to bring goodness to you. So the idea would be, hey, if your neighbor, for example, does something great, maybe they dropped you off to work when your car broke down, or maybe they fixed your flat tire when you were gone and you didn't even know about it, 
Um, we're working on a way to track these things so that you can see goodness happening almost in your own neighborhood. Um, and that's important because we need to show that goodness is everywhere. Goodness can't just be in major urban cities. It happens everywhere around the world every day, and we need to be able to show that. So that's the shameless plug is um, let us be that good news feed that you need. The second thing is spread good news. You know what? Don't spread things that make people angry. Don't spread things that are controversial or sensational. Just spread good news. It's that simple. You know, I, I had the, the, the privilege of interviewing His Holiness the Dalai Lama in the course of my work. And one of the things that he talks about almost always is that if you want to be happy, just help people. It's, it's, sometimes it's that simple, right? It, just the act, it was what you talked about earlier, the act of helping somebody actually benefits you more than it does them. Part of that is just sharing goodness, sharing happiness, make people happy, or, or spreading kindness, as they would say next door. before we go is what we like to call the kind carousel, which is where we get to ask you all kinds of fun questions. So a little bit of rapid fire here. So here we go. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. So hand on heart, how long can you truly go without checking your phone? Oh, geez. Minutes, minute, minutes. Yeah. No more than five minutes. Okay. No more than five. That's pretty good, actually. I'm not, I'm not sure if I could even, I could even do five minutes. Okay. What's something you do to be kind to yourself? Oh, this is a great question. My simple rule is that I will reply to emails when I want to reply to emails. I know it sounds selfish, but I can't put myself on other people's schedules. I need to prioritize my own mental health. And I will, I will reply to everybody, but I'll do it when I'm able and ready and able to invest myself in the time to reply. What are three of your favorite good things in your life? Uh, by far, by far, number one is my family. Um, they are my anchor and my rock, and uh, they have kept me alive. Um, there's nothing that comes close to them. Every member of my family. Um, I'm Canadian, and when I would come out of war zones, I had a routine. I would fly, because war zones were sometimes the Middle East. I would transit through Dubai, and Dubai was one of the countries in the Middle East that had a coffee chain called Tim Hortons. And I don't care where I'm coming from. I might have explosive residue in my hair or on my luggage. But if I have a warm cup of tea, I just feel like the world is going to be okay. And the third thing is, and I'll give you the third thing very quickly. It's just um, I'm grateful that I live in a country that's safe, where I can walk outside and I can go buy my tea from a corner shop and I don't have to worry about somebody attacking me or you know, uh, violence of any kind. I'm tremendously grateful for that. And I think it's something many of us take for granted. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think until you really travel the world, it's so easy to take that for granted. And then, yes, uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. And I was also going to give a shout out to Tim Horton's Donuts because those are, uh, those are also a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, last question. If technology, let's say, disappeared tomorrow, so you know, no phones, no social media, no, no online mediums, what would you do to keep being goodable, shall we say? I would do the exact same thing that I'm doing now. My life wouldn't change one bit. I, I'd have an addiction withdrawal from not being able to check my phone. Um, but I would live life the exact same way that I'm doing now, which is trying to put others ahead of myself. Thanks, Mohammed. It's been so great to talk with you today. And please don't forget to download both Goodable and Nextdoor for free. They're available everywhere in the world. 
And if you want to start connecting with your community and hearing some of those great stories, you can find them on both Goodable and Nextdoor today. Thanks again. Thank you.